let's turn our Bibles this morning to uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. And so uh, I am as well. I'm, I'm thankful for not only the time to preach, but also just the time that we get to uh, spend together in God's Word. And I, I pray and I hope that uh, this morning's message would be a real encouragement to us today. And uh, it really kind of gets us ready for what we're fixing to get into beginning next week. And uh, for the next uh, few months, we're going to start into the study of First Peter. Uh, Brother Jake will be starting us in that next Sunday. And so I wanted us to just kind of get a little bit of who, the, uh, who Peter was, the disciple Peter, the apostle Peter, uh, and how he writes these two epistles. We'll be looking at, like I said, over the next several months of First Peter. But I, I wanted us to just kind of have a little sneak peek in the second Peter and just get, get, a, get a little bit of understanding of who we're talking about when we talk about Simon Peter. What do we know? Uh, I know I shouldn't really do this, but what do we know about Peter? Somebody. What do you know about him? Kid, adult, anybody. Very passionate man. Give me an example of how he was passionate, especially in his early days, gospel days. He drew a sword, cut off the ear of the of the uh, soldier. Absolutely. Anything else you know about Peter? Let's open up to Matthew. I'm just joking. Mm hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very good. Anyone else? Ms. Quinn is fussing at him now. Everyone needs a turn. Everyone needs a turn. Play fair. Play fair, Mr. Randy. <laughs> Anyone else? Come on, give me something else about Peter. Simon Peter. Man of action. Okay. Absolutely. He was what? Yeah, absolutely. Peter. Absolutely. Thank you, Ms. Taren. He was so confident that I'll never, Lord, I'll never betray you. And the Lord said, you'll betray me three, and before the rooster crows, he said, you'll, you'll deny me three times, right? What's some other things that we know about Peter? One of the most famous ones. What did he do? Walked on water. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Birthday Girl. Thank you. 30 years old. 30 years old. Uh, he walked on water, right? Kept his eyes, off of, kept his eyes on Jesus. When he, when he got his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink, right? But he got out of the boat and he took that faith. His Lord, if it's you, call me out there and I will walk to you. And he walked on water. Anything else? Anything else you can think of? I quizzed my kids this week and uh, they, they all was 
Mr. Randy, spitting them out, telling me all these different things. Then I started to think about one, two, that I, I thought of, uh, you know, the one that I thought of was the, uh, when Jesus went to pray. You know, he called his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. And Peter being one of those three, uh, the Lord asked him to just pray there as he went to go in the garden and pray, knowing that he was fixing to go to the cross. And when he came back, what did he find him doing? What, Levi? Found him sleeping. And I, and I just love the passion that the Lord tells him in just his, like, just his, I, I needed you, I wanted you in this moment with me, right? I wanted you to be praying as I am praying and knowing that this big task ahead of me. And he comes back, he said, you could not pray with me just one hour, right? Thank you, Levi. So let's, as we look in our Bibles, as you understand who we're kind of dealing with in uh, this person of, of Simon Peter, when we get to 2 Peter, he com- completely kind of changes his tone. The f- when we look in the next several months at 1 Peter, he's going to be talking about just God's grace. He's going to be talking about just the grace that we get to live in. And we're going to still see some of that this morning. And as we sang about a lot of those things this morning as well, as far as how good God's grace is, the best way that I could, you know, kind of describe grace is just talking about, you know, mercy is, first of all, not getting what we deserve. We don't deserve much. We really don't. When we look at our, uh, you know, if we really put our thoughts on the screen this morning of just the things that we thought about this morning of how selfish and how, how just self-centered we really are, you know, we don't want those things plastered up for everybody to know. You know, so if we really got what we deserve, uh, we'd be in a miserable mess. So God not only doesn't give what we deserve, but on top of that, he gives us his grace. He gives us blessings, things that we definitely don't deserve. Right. And so Peter is going to talk about a lot of those things in the first book. But when we look at the second book and we'll just take a glimpse at it this morning, he's really going to talk about just really starting to understand and have a great knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and all the things that we actually have in him, in those graces. And so as we look this morning, we're going to look at and the title of my message is really working together. Okay, not only us collectively working together, but also he's talking really about a relationship here that we have with God. You know, for me, yesterday we we were sitting there. You know, they always ask me, oh, you preaching, you preaching tomorrow? I didn't know you were preaching tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, I've been telling you all for two weeks. Now I get about two or three weeks, four weeks, sometimes five weeks before I preach again. And so my family always looks at me like, oh, you are preaching tomorrow. And I'm like, yes, I'm preaching tomorrow. I told you all that. Are you ready? Are you prepared? They always just quiz me. They don't think I'm ever ready to do anything. But anyway, so yesterday we started cleaning out my shop. And let me tell you something. When we got done cleaning out the shop, I'm sure my neighbors heard the yelling and screaming as we were cleaning out the shop. Not only was it hot, look, he would, look, yeah. Uh, don't ask, don't tell this morning, right? And so we, uh, we were cleaning out that shop. And when we got done, let me tell you, the shop is clean. And we had to pray and repent when we got done, right? And so, you know, it's not easy uh, being a parent. Now, I'm not standing up here this morning telling you that not only do I have the Christian life figured out, I don't have the parenting figured out. We celebrated our 17th anniversary yesterday. I don't have marriage fi- figured out, right? Amen. And so, I w- <laughs> thank you. Well, we don't have those. I don't stand here this morning telling you I have those things uh, figured out. 
at all, but it, he kind of gives you this working together attitude in, in this uh, message that we'll be looking at this morning. Peter does. But he's talking about how we work together as far as with us, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes that's really not, not easy, right? Because the Lord, we're trying to get on board with what the Lord wants to do. It's like a father and son relationship or, or, or a parent and a, and a child relationship. Sometimes it's easy for the parent just to go and do it himself, right? do it themselves. And it just makes it so much easier. But when you have to step out of who you are and really step down and try to uh, bring that person up to where you are and teach them and elevate them, it's a lot more taxing, right? And so that's what we see in our relationship with the Lord. He is leaning into us. He is telling us, here's all the resources. It's found in him. It's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's leaning into us. It's us being able to really lean back into him this morning. And so as we see this working together and we need to learn how to have faith and trust in him. Tracy has her little baby this morning and, and, and uh, little Mason, uh, he has all faith in mama. You know, all faith is in mom. He's not going on his own way telling as, as Maverick is now starting to have his own independence right? He is completely dependent upon mama. And so us as believers, we need to have that childlike spirit where we are completely dependent upon the Lord. And that is us displaying and showing our faith. So as we look in verse five this morning, we're going to see some things Peter just really gives us these, these qualities, these character qualities that he wants to see in a believer. And I hope that we are starting to display these things. I hope we are growing in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning as believers. So when we look at verse five, Peter tells us very clearly, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence Add to your faith. He's like, you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to Christians before we move on. He's talking to Christians that are really getting persecuted. Persecution that I have not ever experienced. And Lord willing, I probably will never experience those things. Maybe, maybe not. But you know what? They're going through real persecution when Paul, when Peter, excuse me, I'm probably going to say that several times, but, but when Peter is writing these two books, they are going through extreme persecution. It was, it was accepted at first as far as Christianity, and then it really got turned on them as far as with Nero and just that time. And so they're beginning to face great persecution. And Peter is trying to encourage those believers in the Lord, like I said, in grace and now in knowledge of the Lord. And so he says, listen, you have faith in the Lord. He says, now you need to show these great qualities in, the, in your character through these things. And he says, in the, add to your faith virtue. He says, he really talks about in this virtue, uh, a moral excellence. It, it's like the right tool for the job. Boy, you know, as the, one of the main reasons, I don't know why this would really was part of my sermon, but one of the main reasons that I wanted to clean out my shop yesterday is because my tools were all over the place, right? And when, whenever something came in the house that I needed to take care of, uh, I could never find what, what I really needed. And when you have that right tool, boy, it'll just go so much faster, right? Are you ever in that situation? And then when you, when you really uh, put the right tool on the right thing that you're working on and it, it works, it makes it a lot easier, it makes it simpler, but it's the right fix for what you're dealing with. And so he's saying for a Christian, 
He says you need to find this place of virtue. It's talking about your own calling. It's talking about you being where God really wants you to be. It's not you uh, uh, mimicking and being what everybody else wants you to be. He said, but in your faith, in your trusting in the Lord, being who God has placed you to be. He said that's the virtue. That is the excellence that he's talking about here. This moral excellence, this place of you knowing what God has called you to be. What I'm seeing more now in not only uh, in my own life, but looking at us as a church, uh, I'm seeing how God is piecing people together. And we don't all need to act and look the exact same and all uh, being able to come up here and necessarily preach or come up here and and sing or, or play an instrument. But God has is putting this body together more and more and it's about individuals, about you contributing this way and another person contributing that way. But it's also not only what we're doing here at church, but it's also at our workplaces. It's also the people we're interacting with throughout the week that we understand it's not just about us having those simple relationships that are good, friendly relationships, but understanding the bigger picture that God has a purpose when we have these relationships, when we have these jobs, when God, all the places that God has placed us, he is placing us there for a reason to be the instruments and be the tools that God wants us to be. So he said, add to your faith, virtue, virtue. And then he goes to virtue. He says, understanding knowledge. Another word for this knowledge is talking about discernment, you know, really being, being able to decipher of what is God doing and what is he not doing? You know, sometimes when we're going through life, you know, uh, a lot of people say, you know what, if, if, there's, if there's some trials, if there's some tribulations, then, then it's really not God. You know, you need to go around those things. And if it's, if it, you know, and as you look through Scripture and if you continue to just read and research and, and, and pray and understand also to look back over your life and through situations and trials, God wasn't rem many times not removing us from those things. You know, it's sometimes it's going through those trials to really learn and really trust in the Lord through those difficult situations. And so being able to discern, do I need to, is God trying to get my attention that I need to move away from these things? Or is God trying to get my attention that I need to trust him through these things? Okay. And so as he's talking about this, he's talking about this discernment, being able to know what's right. Understanding the landscape around us, you know, am I heading in the wrong direction here? Am I, am I, you know, I'm supposed to be this tool. I'm supposed to be being used by God. Am I really tuned in to what the Lord has for me? You know, am I in a place that I could really, he, he talks about working out in James, he talks about working out your own salvation. And make sure that you're in the faith. Make sure that you're doing what God wants you to do. I hope we're in places that we can really hear from the Lord. You know, there, there's times in our life, you know, as you know, I remember when uh, Lydia, my oldest, when she was in gymnastics and uh, boy, she would really, I mean, sincerely, I can show you the schedule. That poor thing, she was working 25 hours a week in gymnastics. And so her dedication was unbelievably there. She didn't complain about going to practice. She loved it. The dedic like I said, she was really dedicated to it. And we saw those things. And so each year as we engaged in that, we tried teaching her that, you know what, as we commit to this for the next year, 
Are we going to, first of all, we're going to commit. Is God going to allow us to do this? You know, because throughout the year, there's going to be a lot of times where things are going to come up and it's not going to really work out. But if God is leading us and allowing us to do these things, then he'll work those things out for us. Whether it's going to these different meets or the or just committing to that kind of time each and every week. Is that something that God is going to uh, allow us to do? And so each and every time we approach those things and being able to discern when is it time to pull back? Am I in those places? It has nothing to do really with gymnastics, but it has to do with, am I in places where I'm listening to God and I'm allowing him to speak to my heart and life? Because believe me, I think one of the things that 2020 has taught us and now 2021, we don't know what's ahead. And there's times in our lives where, you know what, we don't understand why is God saying no to something or he's saying yes to something. And it may not make sense right now, but it will make sense. And sometimes we won't see it on this side of heaven. It may take till we get to heaven for us to really know and really us to understand. But are we in those places where we're hearing and listening from the Lord to being able to discern what we should and should not do? He continues on and he says, not only in knowledge, but he says, knowledge, self-control. He's talking about temperance here. He's talking about really being a place where you're under control. It's like, it's like having that horse that has all that power and, and, and has that, where we get the term horsepower from, right? But he has all that power and it, it, once he is broken and you really have that horse under your control, it's power under control. And so for us, we have all these things in the Lord and we have the power to go out and live, but we need to have that power under control. And I want to turn uh, this morning uh, to Proverbs 16, 32. And I'm just going to read this real quick. And he says in Proverbs 16, 32, it says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He says, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. He's saying, you know, and, and when we talk about this in Proverbs, we in the Old Testament, right there in the middle, you're really referencing people who have been uh, people, men of great honor and great mighty power that they have taken down cities. You know, uh, for me, one of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Joshua when they're going through and just having that kind of faith and, and really having that kind of understanding and hearing from the Lord that he wants them to do these great, interesting tasks to take down those cities that were in front of them, these great wall, these great cities that had all these great walls that they there was no way that they could go in and take that territory and take that possession. But God would give them instruction and Joshua would be able to take that instruction and do exactly what God wanted him to do. And cities would fall down. Walls would literally fall down because of his faith. And he's saying it's better than that. When you have self-control, when you have control over the power that is inside of you, you know, maybe it's like what Mr. Randy was talking about, just that uh, about Peter and just having that kind of power. Peter would always be the first one to speak. The Lord would have a question there on this earth, you know, when the Lord was there with his disciples and Peter would say something. Most of the time would stick his foot right in his mouth and the Lord used it as a great teaching time. And what did Peter do with that? He learned from it. He learned. And so when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he had that self-control to know when to speak, even sometimes being very decisive and being very, uh, very cunning as far as his speech. But he knew what he was doing and he was doing it under the power and under the self-control of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times, especially the Apostle Paul uh, would use these, that, this kind of self-control in athletics. You know, a person that is really uh, in athletic, physical condition 
is trained, right? Uh, they are trained. You know, you know they're, they're ready to endure the race that is before them. Whether they're running athletes or whether they're, you know, physical athletes, their body is in tip-top shape because of their self-control that they have done in their training. That's how we need to be. That's what Peter is telling us in our daily walk with the Lord. Let's look again. He says not only in verse 6 to knowledge self, then we move to self-control. He says, but also to self-control control, perseverance, being able to really persevere, to be a a people of, of, like I said, there could be times and situations that we're just, we're so impatient. We we want the results very now and very much right now. And he says, we ought to persevere in these things. In James uh, chapter one, I'm just going to go and and, uh, flip over there real quick. But James chapter one, he gives us a good analogy of this, and let me read it. Uh, James chapter 1 and verse 2, he's saying, you know, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Pace, uh, this is talking about this perseverance. He says, and let your patience have its per- perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Boy, I really wish I had the information and the things that I've gone through now and where I'm at today at 41 years old, I wish I had this at 21 years old, right? Boy, I could really go through those things now and, and, and really be a different person. Lisa was telling me yesterday, I don't know why I'm throwing my family all on the bus this morning, but she was telling me yesterday, why did you let me do this? And we were like 24 years old and I'm still getting the blame for it, right? And so I'm like, I, I really wish I had the knowledge that I have now 20 years ago. Boy, I'd be knocking it out of the park, right? Then you could really come get some advice from me. But you know what? We don't. But he says right here, when you go through these things that you're now perfect and complete, you're lacking nothing. Why? Verse 5 of James chapter 1, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without, without reproach and will be given to him and let him ask in faith without doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind and let and let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord he is a double-minded man and stable in all his ways because you know what when you go through these trials and you go through these tribulations and you persevere through them and the Lord is going to get you through those things You know, your story's not over as we were singing a while ago and we keep pushing through and we keep uh, trusting in the Lord and having faith in the Lord and we get through those things and we say, I didn't know how I was going to get out of those things, but the Lord has brought us through those things and now we're stronger and we're better for those things. He says, persevere. He says, you know, as you do those things, now you've, let me get back to my... Get back to my uh, message here. But in verse 6, he says, uh, to self-control, now you persevere through those things. To perseverance, he tells us, the last part of verse 6, godliness. Godliness. He tells us to worship. It it means to, uh, in the Greek, and I'm going uh, by what they tell me because I don't speak Greek, but it says to worship well. Right. He's saying godliness. It's 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 a place that we actually are just in a place that we could really just worship the Lord in that in that space, in that place. And and, and really what it kind of boils down to. And I started to think about this last night, uh, especially just looking over it again. And just this kind of came to me as an illustration or as a, a reference. But he's talking about living above He's talking about this godliness of living above not only your circumstances and just life itself. It reminded me of, uh, of Isaiah chapter 40. 
in verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, where he talks about uh, being that eagle, right? Isaiah talks about, the prophet Isaiah talks about being that eagle and just soaring like eagles. You know, those, those eagles, the way they soar, and if we ever just kind of got a little bit of an of a, um, of a animal lesson as far as on, uh, on eagles and, and how they live and how they fly and how they seek their prey, it's, and, and even how sometimes whenever the, whenever the clouds are there and the storms are there, they're able to rise above those clouds. And even though the storms are there, they're above the, they're above the storms. And so he, Isaiah tells us this. He says, uh, I'm going to read before 31, I'm reading 28. He says, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the er uh, ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. In verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord, he says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. He said, they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. He says, you're eagles. He said, he said you, you should be in a place of, of understanding that when all these things come in our life, that we're not tossed to and fro, that we're not shaken by the things that are right there in our life like everyone else is. He says, but we're rising above those things in a godliness form, in a place of worship to know that we're above those things. We're not, we're not getting tangled up in all of the mess. He says, we're above those things. We're like eagles and when everybody else is falling a victim to those things that we're pushing through we're going through those things he does the things right the person who is a, a person of virtue and a person of knowledge and a person of all of these characteristics of a person of, of, of faith in the Lord and he says he does those things that are right he does those things that are the will of God he's persevering through those things he keeps his eyes on the prize I've said this many times in my sermons uh, because it, it kind of baffles me a little bit of how we use David as, and I'm talking about even the Lord Jesus used David as such a prime example of a man of faith. David, and, and, and when we look at him, we see all of his, if we would have did, did this about David, what, what, what are the things that we know about him? Even when we get to the family tree of the Lord Jesus Christ, it'll even say in there, <laughs> That uh, when he's going through all the genealogy and when he gets to David and his family, it'll even say, uh, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. But it will say Bathsheba. When it says David and Bathsheba, it'll say uh, Uriah's wife. You know, just a place of even still showing throughout history of all of David's failures in his life. But yet the Lord says that he was a man after God's own heart. Why? It's because when he fell flat on his face, he began, he got back up and continued to the mark. He continued in the Lord. And when he would fall again, he got back up, trusting that the Lord, knowing that his failures were in the Lord, I mean, in himself and not in the Lord. And he continued to put his eyes back on the Lord. He was a man that was doing right. 
It was a man that was uh, seeking the will of God. And I hope that's who we are in our place of godliness this morning that we worship well. In verse seven, it says to godliness, brotherly kindness. You know, being able to really one of the ways that we could really show this world. First, John tells us that we could really show this world that we have the Lord Jesus Christ inside of us is how we treat our brothers and sisters in the house of the Lord. I try to tell my kids this, is that when you're looking for a spouse, look at that, that, that man or lady uh, and understand and see how they treat their mama, see how they treat their daddy, see how they treat their brother and see, see how they treat their sister. And you know what? Brothers and sisters will fight. Mamas and daddies will fight. But understanding, you know what? Even deeper than that fighting of sibling, you know, that, that we, we fight. We wrestle with each other. You know, there's a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. Right. But to know, is there a genuine love that is there for each other that there? You know what? That brotherly love, that that uh, Philadelphia love, that is a love that is there. That's that bond that is there between them. You know what? You still got to come back for Thanksgiving. You still got to come back for Christmas and love on each other because mama's going to make sure you're hugging and loving on each other. Right. And so that's the kind of bond that we have with one another. The Bible tells us again, and I'll say that again in first John, he says, the world will know you by the love that you have for one another. And I hope that is true in our lives. And you know what? If we're not seeing that in our Christian walk with other brothers and sisters in the Lord, Take the time for you to invest in those relationships. Don't look around and see what's not happening to you, but you take the time to invest those things into other people. And he says that's what the world is going to see. Continuing on in verse 7, he says, And to brotherly, lo- brotherly kindness, he says love. He's not just talking about inwardly. He's talking about an agape love here that goes to people who are unlovable. In spite of what they've done to you and the wrongs that they've done to you, he's he's talking about a love here at the end of verse 7 of an agape love. He's talking about in spite of, even with all the evidence against them and all the things that are just uh, even maybe even coming against you, he's saying pour out that love to people who are even unlovable. Maybe that is your brother or sister. (laughs) But he said love on them. And continuing on in verse 8, he kind of just, I don't feel like he necessarily changes his tone here from verse 8 to 11, but I kind of want us to change our tone here a little bit. He, he doesn't get into all of these, uh, these words and these, uh, uh, these quality characteristics for us, but he's saying, you know what, now that you kind of have an understanding of that, he goes... And I I love these verses, 8 through 11. This is what I was really drawn to whenever talking about preaching uh, these verses. It says, for if these things are yours, he kind of gives you some real application here. He says, so if these things are yours and abound, if if there's something that you're striving for, that you're really starting to put into practice in your life, he says, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful. Boy, barren, barrenness was something of that day, big time. That was such a, such a, um, a scorn or a scarlet letter, uh, if you would say, to the people of that day and age. 
You know, it was something of, of you know, if, if a woman had a son for her husband back in this day, it was just like gold, you know. And so for, for and when we read the stories of Sarah and we read the stories of others throughout the Bible that were barren for a short period of time or for a period of time, uh, they were really living in a place of disgrace. And so for us to really, we just take that nugget from that definition and understanding in our lives, sometimes we're just not seeing things happen for us. And we just feel like Sarah did. She's 90 years old and she doesn't have a, a child. And not only does she doesn't have a child for her husband, a son for her husband, but she, uh, now her husband's getting these crazy, um, uh, in, in, in human eyes, crazy promises from God. That his offspring is going to have all of these great things that are going to happen to his firstborn son, and yet she's barren. And just all that pressure and that weight and just that barrenness that's on her, that's the attitude here that we have in verse 8. We're living our lives and we feel like we're just kind of spinning our wheels and we're not seeing God move and God do great things in our life. And verse 8 says, for if you do these things, for these things are yours and abound, he says, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love the scripture when he says, uh, he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. What a great promise to know that, you know what, if we're just, if we're really just drawing near to the Lord and we're taking that time in our life, because like I started out saying, you know what, I don't have it all together. I don't stand here having it all, all together and that's okay. It, but it's okay, but it's not okay to just stay in that place. Let me draw near to God. So, and I've, I've said this to us a hundred times before. You know what? The only way that I could be a half of a husband that I need to be is to really draw into the Lord. Lord, help me. Help me see what I need to do, where areas where I need to improve so she don't have to point it out to me, right? And then, Lord, help me be the parent that I need to be. Help me apologize when I need to apologize. Lord, help me work in these areas that I need to work at so I can be the person that you would want me to be. He says, so, so I can be fruitful. I can really know what you're doing in my life so I can really be the man of faith that you want me to be. Verse 9, he says, for he who lacks these things, and it's really sad, is, is short-sighted. He says the person who lacks these things is short-sighted. He says even to blindness. When you're not seeing these things happen in your life and you're being in a place of barrenness and it just continues to go more negative and more negative and you continue to just draw away from the Lord, you can't even see the things of the Lord anymore. It's getting more and more dim, the things that God wants you. He said even to the point of blindness where you've even forgotten the things of just how good the Lord is. I love it in the Old Testament how many times he said, you know, taste and see. Jump on in, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, I, he, he says, I will, I will take you up on that challenge. I will, you know, if you just jump on in with both feet, you're going to see of how good the Lord is in your life. In verse, continuing on in verse 9, he says, he says, do these things so you won't be short-sighted, that you won't uh, end up in a place of blindness. And he says, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his own sins. He says, You're, you've gotten so far away from the Lord that you've even forgotten of how good those first days were in salvation. I mean, you've just drawn so far away. And he says, don't do that. The recipes are right there for you. Just be a man and woman of faith. 
Be a, be a child of God in a place that you're really working on your salvation and understanding the, the sweetness and the goodness of God in your life. And it comes through the knowledge of who the Lord is. Verse 10, he says, Therefore, with this being said, brethren, people of faith, he says, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. You know, for me, just... The more I grow older and the more that I am around my parents, the more I see me becoming more and more like my parents, good or bad. I don't think I could run from it, right? I don't think I could run from it at all. And I love my parents because they're probably watching uh, there. And so uh, I'm going to say sweet things. But anyway, uh, I become more and more like them. You know, we were out to uh, eat. We were out uh, eating Friday evening. And uh, my brother and sister looked at my oldest daughter and said, oh, that it was just like your daddy. You're doing exactly what your dad did. And then later on, I got onto her. I said, see, you need to shape up because you're, that's what they were. They were picking on you. All right. And so he tells us here that as we continue to grow in the Lord and we understand how good he is, and we understand our place in the Lord and the riches that we have in the Lord and just the firm foundation that we have in the Lord. Like I said, the more I grow older, the more I see more of my parents in me, that's what we need to be doing in the Lord. We need to see more of ourselves in the Lord, becoming more like Christ and we become more like our Heavenly Father. And so he tells us this. He says that that call, that election, that called out people, people, that is a sure foundation, that you're sure in these things. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. I really wanted to start out the message this morning. Is any of us stumbling today? Is any of us stumbling? And if we got some honesty, we would all raise our hands in the places that we stumble in. And then to read on and say, you know what, in verse 11, He's, well, in verse 10, he says, if we do these things, we'll never stumble. In verse 11, he says, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of times when we talk about, if I would have just read verse 10 and verse 11, and really just kind of stood up here and been a little, maybe even a little bit more charismatic. You just said, you know, that, that's almost like an easy believism or, or, a, or a very, just a, uh, I want to say charismatic, but uh, also just a, that something that just sounds good kind of a message. You know, if you do these things, you'll never stumble. Here's the secret formula. Here's the recipe. And you're just going to have all the riches in the world. But you know what? It's the Bible. The Bible's telling us, Peter's telling us here, when you start to really have the knowledge of the Lord and you really start to taste his goodness and you start to do these things, there's going to be times of persecution. There's going to be times of having to persevere through different things. And it won't always be roses or whatever the expression is. It won't always just be uh, easiness. But he says, you'll understand more and more in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ where you can just sing praises to the Lord even through those difficult situations. Even through those things. And he says, and again, I want to read in verse 11. He says, for so, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly, 
abundantly going above not only grace, but grace on top of grace and grace more and more. The, God, the Lord is just pouring out his love for you. You know, many times when it comes to our children or it comes to, you know, different things in our life that we really want to give more to certain things. But you know what? Through discipline and, and through uh, through falling short in areas of having to teach and instruct that we're able to not give all the things that we really want to give. Because sometimes it'd be, it'd be detrimental to reward bad behavior. Right. But the Lord is wanting to pour out his love on us. He's wanting us to just be in a place of giving an abundance of what we really need. And a lot of times we're falling short of those blessings and those giving that giving from the Lord because of our own disobedience. He says abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And to break that down, just that last part, he says the kingdom, understanding that the Lord is on his throne, understanding that he's Lord, he's master, he should be ruler of your life. He should be the one that's in control, showing you, leading, guiding you. The one, as he said earlier, do not forget that salvation, how he has cleansed you from your old sins, that he is the Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, no matter what you're going through, Peter is fixing to experience death. He's close to death when he writes these two books. Knowing that time is short, not only because of his older age, but because persecution is just coming in really, really close to him, where they're fixing to take him to his own cross. And he knows that the kingdom of God is so sweet. That I can still trust in the Lord. He's saying that I know that my Savior is going to take care of me even if it's to my own cross. And so for us, I pray. We're not facing necessarily the things that Peter in here or maybe some of those people in that Peter's writing to these new Christians, these, this New Testament church. We may not be going through some of their trials and tribulations, but there's so much for us to just eat on this morning. I pray that we'd be a people that are actually seeing these, these attributes, seeing these characteristics begin to really take shape in our hearts and lives. That we're not the same person that we were 20 years ago. That we're not the same person that we were a year ago. That we're improving. Not to be self-improved, but to improve as far as who we are in the Lord, that we're drawing near to him, closer to him, and that our faith is actually being lived out. Let's pray this morning. Lord God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you so much, Lord God, for who you are. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, coming to this earth, Lord God, and dying on the cross for our sins. How he, how, Lord, you made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, to take on this sin for us, Lord God, and to be nailed to the cross because of us. To stoop down to on, uh, on our level, to put on human flesh, Lord God, so that we can experience a relationship with you. If there's someone in this room this morning, Lord God, who hasn't trusted you in that place of salvation, don't, don't know what it is to grow because never have been, have never trusted you in a place of salvation, I pray you would speak to their hearts right now. I pray you have already been speaking to their hearts. 
I pray we can be a place, Lord God, that it's okay to not be okay, but it's okay, it's not okay to stay in that position. To understand what it is to have salvation, understand what it is to trust you this morning. And Lord, I pray as this message has been geared mainly to believers. Lord, I pray that we would all just see in ourselves this morning of where, not only where we're falling short, Lord, and I pray we would deal with those issues and we would deal with those places, but also, Lord God, of areas where we can improve in understanding these attributes of how we can really lean in to you in these areas and, and trust you even more. That we would see your goodness. We would see how you're getting us through these things, these situations, these trials, and that not only would you would get us through it, Lord God, but we would begin to even praise you for them and praise you through those storms. I pray we'd be that kind of people. I pray we'd have the love that you, that you want us to have, not only for our, our neighbor, Lord God, but also for in, inside of our house, Lord God, for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. That we, we could see our faith really take shape and really grow. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you so much for speaking in our hearts this morning. We praise you for it. We thank you, Lord God.